0: It's, it's, it's like an introduction to the book of Acts. Hopefully, Lord willing, we'll be able to, you know, start to uh, touch into some of these verses in the book of Acts. But, you know, it's very, very important to, to understand that, you know, the book of Acts, it's almost like a continuation from the book of Luke. It's written by Luke, who uh, was a doctor, Dr. Luke. Colossians 4.14 says that Luke was the beloved physician. Uh, that's why we call him Dr. Luke. But, you know, it's like a continuation of the gospel of Luke. Almost like there's no break. When you get to the end of Luke, you can go to the book of Acts and it's like a continuation. And it's uh, uh, um an account of, you know, it, it's it's it kind of trips me out so much because, you know, I love how it's titled the book of Acts because it's, it's, it's really the acts. You know, you see the disciples, they be, they become apostles. They're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's straight up the action of the church. The action. And not just the church and Christians, but they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. You see God and the people working together. You know, and it's such a trip because, you know, you start to see like in Philemon chapter 1 verse 24. You know, he starts to what... what Paul starts to speak about Luke as a fellow worker of him in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and you know, it it blows me away because in that account in Philemon chapter one, verse 24, he says, my fellow worker, he speaks about Luke. But then he also speaks about a fellow by the name of Demas, Demas, who was also a fellow fellow worker of Paul. But then something happened down the road. How it says, you know, when um, you know, when Paul is an old man, you know, he's been walking with the Lord and preaching the good news to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And then when he's an old man and he's like one of his prison letters, he's writing to young Pastor Timothy and he starts to write while he's in prison. He says, hey, you know, only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. You know, and you start to see a picture of the loyalty of Luke, Dr. Luke. Not just to the, the, you you know, the loyalty to Jesus Christ, but then the loyalty to the gospel, the good news, and then the loyalty to the body of Christ. And Paul says, only Luke is with me. But then he writes about this fellow by the name of Demas. And he says, Demas loved the world and has forsaken me. You know, and it blows me away because... You start to see a picture where, you know, every single person is responsible for their own life. You know, it's like we all run a race. We can encourage one another. But, you know, whether or not I'm going to hold on to Jesus Christ or whether or not, you know, person XYZ is going to hold on to Jesus Christ. That's between them and the Lord. That's what I love so much about the writings of Paul, because he says, hey, I don't want to lord over your faith. I don't want to compel you to do anything. You know, he presents the good news. He presents truth of Holy Scripture. And then people, you know, there's the invocation to say, like, hey, I have to make a choice for my life. And it's so beautiful what is happening here in the book of Acts. Because Luke was a partaker of the things, the work of the Lord, but also an accompaniment with Paul. And you're going to see it, too, in the later chapters in the book of Acts. He starts to write about we and us. And so Luke was very close to Paul in the missionary journeys that they had. Loyal to Christ, loyal to Jesus Christ, loyal to the gospel. And then he was a loyal friend too. In the book of Acts, you're going to see the birth of the church, the birth of Christians, people becoming born again believers. But then at the same time, you're also going to see the birth of the church, the birth of the church, the bride of Christ. People didn't know what to call Christians back in the day. In the early church, they didn't, had no idea. They called them, you know, followers of Jesus. And then they started to call them a different word. They said, hey, these are people of the way. Because they didn't, know, they didn't know what to call Christians. You know, that's why the Lord named this fellowship, you know, the way. The way Christian fellowship, which is called the way. It's what people were called, the Christians, the followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus Christ. They were called people of the way. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts. We're going to see some hardcore persecutions, Christians being beaten, no. killed, stones to death, imprisoned because of belief in Jesus Christ. But then at the same time, you're going to see the good news go forth and you're going to see a lot of people, multitudes of people, thousands of people believe in Jesus Christ. You know, in some passages, you know, Peter would speak And it said that the people were cut to the heart. That's the power of the truth of God's holy word. You know, I can't proclaim anything in anybody's life. But for me and my heart and my life, I read the Bible. And sometimes the word of God is just like a knife right in my heart. Because it's truth. And it's so powerful because when you're in that situation where the, the word of God is like, Cutting your heart like a knife right in your heart. You know what you do? You yield to him. It's not to say, hey, you know what? You hurt my feelings, Lord. So I'm just going to rip the pages out of my Bible. And I'm only going to have this page here, which I love so much. It's to say, no, instead of making God yield to you, you say, Lord, I'm going to yield to you and your lordship. And you're going to see Christians in the book of Acts doing precisely that. People being saved. It's almost like the Gospels, the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, it's like walking with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ teaching the disciples. And in the book of Acts, you have the church just blowing up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you get to the epistles, you know, writings to the church, the church in Galatia, Ephesians, uh, uh, Ephesus, uh, uh, Colossia, uh, uh, Colossia, I get confused sometimes to say it, but you know, all these churches, and you're going to see the birth of these churches in the book of Acts. But you know, Paul, Peter, Jude, John, they write these letters back to the churches and say, hey, you guys, what, what's going on in the church here? It's not good. Come back to Jesus Christ. You need to repent of these things and come back to Jesus Christ. That's kind of like how I see, you know, from, the, from the, the, the Gospels to the book of Revelation. And then at the same time, you have some of Paul's writings to pastors. You know, Pastor Timothy and Pastor Titus. You know, how to, how to be an overseer in the body of Christ. And shepherd people into truth. And stand for righteousness. You know, and it's so powerful because you see the action of the church And you see a church, people who believe in Jesus Christ, but they're not hearers only. They're doers of the word. That's what Brother James writes to us in James chapter 1. He says, hey, don't be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word. And you know, sometimes it really confronts me to be a doer of the word. Because it's a piece of cake to be a hearer of the word only. But then to say, you know what, Lord? I'm going to take your word, and I'm now going to apply it in my life. That's a big difference between knowing the word of God and living the word of God. You know, to know the word of God and say, Lord, I know your word says this, but, you know, I'm going to go ahead, you know, and do my crack still. Lord, I know your word says this, but I'm going to go ahead and do this. But what happens in the life of the person when you read the Bible... And you say, Lord, your word says this. So I'm going to take this crack and throw it in the trash. You know, I'm going to take this Coke and throw it in the trash. This pornography, this whatever it is. And I'm throwing it in the trash. Because, Lord, it's against your word. It's against your will. You know, and it's so powerful. That's when the pages of the word of God become white. You say, what do you mean white? Because you read it. And every jot, every tittle is coming off these pages, you know, through your little eye sockets and going right to your heart, right to your mind. And it's there in your heart, in this temple where the Holy Spirit does a beautiful work, a beautiful work. You're going to see the struggles of the church in the book of Acts. But then you're also going to see the obedience of the church. And then you're going to see the growth of the church. And, you know, it's. It's wild. So many people say that the gifts of the book of Acts, it it was only for that dispensation. It was only for that time period. It was only for 2,000 years ago. It is not for today. Me personally, I reject that wholeheartedly. Whenever somebody tells me, you know, hey, Jay, you know, the the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that was only for 2,000 years ago. It's not for today. All I say is say, okay, show me. Show me where the Bible teaches that. Show me where the word of God has an expiration date on the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. And they can't. They cannot produce it from this holy book. They can produce it from this other book, which is non holy. They can produce it from the teachings of man. But you know what? I don't teach man. Jesus Christ didn't call me to teach the writings of man. He called me to teach his word. And, you know, it's so beautiful because, you know, you see these things, you see miracles in the book of Acts. And we don't believe in Jesus Christ because of the miracles. You don't come to Jesus Christ because of the miracles. Remember, Jesus Christ is the one who says, hey, it's a wicked and perverse generation that seeks after a sign. Yeah, I'll believe, I'll believe, but show me a sign. That's not good. But to believe in Jesus Christ because he's the only begotten son of the Lord. You know, and it's so powerful. It's even, even to say it's powerful, is it doesn't really do the Lord justice. doesn't do the Holy Spirit justice. Because remember, in the writings when, you know, you think about the, the creation of the world. You think about big, mighty earthquakes, big, mighty windstorms, tornadoes and hurricanes and all this, you know, the, the creation of all things. And, you know, the writings of the Word of the Lord, the Word of God says, you know, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. It's like, whoa, that is some power. By my spirit, says the Lord. The same spirit that created the heavens and the earth is the same spirit that will help you, that will help me live the Christian lifestyle. You say, what do you mean live the Christian lifestyle? Well, to live a life according to the Word of God. That's what I mean when I say the Christian lifestyle. You say, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't throw down my crack. I can't put away my pornography. I can't stop doing this. I can't, you know, turn the other cheek. You know what? You're right. You can't. But the Lord can do it. The Lord can do it. You say like, Lord, I can't. It's so difficult for me to turn the other cheek. I cannot, Lord. And you yield to his lordship. And he'll take that away from you, and then he'll put something in its place. The Holy Spirit. Remember, the Helper. Capital H. The Helper. The Promised Helper. You read John 13 through John 17. In the upper room, Jesus Christ tells the disciples about the Promised Helper. And it translates as the paracletus. And you've heard me say before, like the paracletes. And, you know, I used to play soccer back in the day. You know, and it's like if I had a pair of vans, it'd be very difficult to play soccer. But then I pick up a pair of cleats, And it has the the little, uh, I forgot what they're called, the little traction things on the bottom. You know, the little knobs. And so it can be hot outside, it can be rainy outside, but you have some traction and I don't, I mean, no disrespect to the Holy Spirit by, you know, saying that, you know, referring to him as a shoe. No disrespect to the Lord. But the concept in terms of help unto us, help to deny self. You know, have you ever wanted something really bad that doesn't align with the word of God? Oh, Lord, I love that so much. Whatever it is, Lord, I love this so much. It's like, well, you know, if it doesn't align with the word of God is to say, Lord, I love this so much, but not my will, thy will. Mm. Thy will. And it sounds. You know, I tell you, I used to have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. I played it both ways. And I was always losing, always losing. I used to play games with the Lord. I lived a lukewarm lifestyle. And then the Lord jolted me, he rocked my world. You know, he rocked my world to the point where I said, okay, Lord, Lord, no more. Whatever, all this garbage in my life, it's in the trash. I don't want it anymore because he showed me the error of my ways. And so all of a sudden, it's like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to hang out with these people anymore. I'm going to commit my life to prayer. I'm going to commit my life to reading the Bible. I'm going to commit to this, all these things. And it was so powerful because I can't explain it. You know, sometimes, you know, you hear you hear me say or you hear other people say, hey, you know, get rid of this in your life. Deny this thing in your life. And you know what? It's going to be okay for you. And you think like, oh, easier said than done, you know. But it's just the opposite. It's super easy. And, you know, something else happens where the Lord, you know, he'll take your commitment unto him. And he'll replace it with something so incredibly beautiful. And I'm not speaking like an experience. I have no words for it. He'll change your mind. He'll change your heart. You know what you and I have to do? Let him. Let him. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. You know, and my prayer for all of us, myself included, that as we study the book of Acts, it's going to be like, you know, a light going off in our heads. Where it's like, oh my goodness, you know, I've been doing it wrong the whole time. And I think, I think Satan, the deceiver, the father of lies, the accuser of the brethren. I think he doesn't want Christians to understand these things from the book of Acts about the power of the Holy Spirit. He likes babies. He likes Christians to be on milk. We kind of talked about that. I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Sunday, but we kind of talked about that. You know, if you're a 25 year old, you know, and it's like you have to get in a fight with a three year old. It sounds so stupid because you take that three year old and just throw him across the room. And boom, you win the fight. And that's how Satan is with you and with me. He wants us to be little three-year-olds. But what happens when that three-year-old grows and matures, gets stronger, the legs get stronger, the back gets stronger, the shoulders get stronger, the arms get stronger. And then all of a sudden you put a sword in his hand or her hand. You put a shield in his or her other hand. And it keeps reading and reading and reading and growing and maturing, getting stronger. With the power of the Holy Spirit. Satan doesn't want that. So he'll say, oh yeah, go ahead and go to church. And when you get home, beat on your wife. Yeah, go ahead and go to church. When your friends call you on Friday night, go ahead and go to the strip club. God is a God of love. You see... He likes baby Christians. And you're going to see the Holy Spirit move like wildfire here. And so here in verse 1, look what happens here in the book of uh, in the, the writer, Dr. Luke. He says here in verse 1, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. You know, this verse blows me away so much because he writes about the former account, which is the previous account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. You know, he starts writing about the teaching of Jesus Christ, the learning of the disciples, and then the action of Jesus Christ, and the book of Acts is the action of the disciples who are now apostles or you know they're about to be you know the way I see it is like this and I don't mean to put this in secular terms but you know it's like if you go to law school you spend all this time in law school and then you take the bar exam and you pass the bar exam and so you know you're educated you pass the bar exam And it's like, okay, now what are you going to do? And you say, well, I'm going to move in with my parents. I'm going to live in my parents' basement. I'm going to get a job, you know, at McDonald's and I'm going to flip burgers. You know, and that's not to demean the McDonald's work. You know, it's not to demean anything like that. It's to say, hey, look, you know, you learn all these things. You walk with the Lord. You learn of him. You walk with Jesus Christ. You have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then what? Are you going to go back to the muck? Are you going to go back to the mud? Are you going to be like a dog or a pig returning to the vomit? Returning to the mud? Or are you going to take what you learned from Jesus Christ and walking with him and up, not only apply it to your life, but then all of a sudden say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. It's like, no, you know, sometimes people, it's like, you know, they get all this education. They spend all this time in school. They get all this education. And then they live in their parents' basement. They file for unemployment. They file for their food stamps. They get all this thing. And you know what that is? It's arrested development. Arrested development. What do I say? I say, hey, walk with Jesus Christ. Learn from the Lord and grow in Christ. Apply these things not just to your life, but the work of your hands, your mind. Apply all of it to your life. Even the hardcore stuff, even the difficult decisions. You know why? Because it's pleasing unto the Lord. And I tell you the truth, he will bless your socks off. He will bless you. Satan doesn't want you to believe that the Lord will bless you. He'll say, Look how good this is over here. Look how awesome this is over here. And you know, we buy it, hook, line, and sinker. Remember, Satan's a fisherman too. What does Jesus Christ say? He says, Hey, you know, walk with me and I will make you a fisher of men. Who is this Theophilus guy? You know, it's kind of interesting. He says in verse 1, the former account I made, O Theophilus. Who is this Theophilus guy? I don't know. The Bible doesn't really say explicitly, clearly who this Theophilus guy, Theophilus, translates as a friend of God. But turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 1. Luke 1. Same writer here, Dr. Luke. And in Luke 1, this is the gospel according to Dr. Luke Or this is also an account of Jesus after he rose again. Because remember, the disciples, they see that, you know, the Lord isn't dead. The tomb is empty. He he, he walked with us again. And we saw him ascend. We're going to read that more in the book of Acts. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But we saw him ascend into heaven. And then they started to recollect all these things about what they were taught when they walked with Jesus Christ. And some of them wrote an account. Matthew wrote an account. Mark, Luke, and John. And so this is the account, the gospel according to Luke. He says in verse 1, Inasmuch as many have taken in hand or undertaken to set in order a narrative of those things, or it translates as a declaration of those things, which have been fulfilled, translates as are most surely evident. You know, I, I have some beef with some of the translators. You know, back in the day, hundreds of years ago, when the group of people got together and they said, hey, we're going to take, you know, the Hebrew text. We're going to take the, the manuscripts of the Greek text, the Aramaic, and let's make it easy for people to read. You know, and they would say, hey, you take, you know, uh, you do uh, Jeremiah. Okay, you do Isaiah and they do all these things. It's cool. You know, it's, it's a ministry. It's a work of the Lord. But sometimes I have a little beef with the translators because, you know, it says here, inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us. When you read the translations of the Aramaic into the Greek, it's like, you know, a, it's a hardcore declaration a hardcore declaration it's not just a narrative it's a declaration of those things which are most surely evident most surely evident you know and it's like you know he continues to write he says just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us so he's saying Look at these writers of the Old Testament. Look at these prophets of old, the writers of the Psalms. All these people who lived godly lives, the Holy Spirit came upon them and then something happened where the Holy Spirit said, hey, write this stuff down. And here we are, reading from the truth of these passages passed on from generation to generation to generation. Eyewitnesses. And ministers of the word, or the logos, deliver them to us. So it's like the word, or the logos, it's like leapfrog from generation to generation. You know, here we are, we have like, you know, parents here today. And it's like, with, you know, little ones. And it's like, your faith is going to leapfrog to the next generation. And you're going to grow up. You're going to get old. Your body's going to give out on you. You're going to be wrinkly. And then, you know, you're going to take your last breath one day. Who knows where it's going to be? You're going to take your last breath on this side of eternity. And, you know, in Christ, you take your last breath here in this world. And you take your first breath in eternity with the Lord. You die. But then what about the Logos? What about the word that was in your life being transferred to the next generation of righteousness? That's what's been happening through the centuries, through the millennia. The holy word of God transferring to people who believe. You know, in Jeremiah's day, they called him the lonely prophet or the weeping prophet. Because he would weep a lot. And he was very lonely. Everybody would tell him, you're so stupid. You know, God is for us. Look, we have all these prophets. They tell us this. They tell us that. And then Jeremiah would go and pray. And the Lord would reveal to him, hey, these prophets aren't my prophets. They speak for their own. They they don't speak of me. And then Jeremiah would spend his time with the Lord. And the Lord would say, okay, Jeremiah, go and tell the people this. And then Jeremiah would go in obedience to the Lord. Hey, you know, the Lord is, you know, the, the Babylonians are coming. We're going to be taken into captivity. And people would make fun of Jeremiah. You're so stupid, Jeremiah. Get out of here, you crazy guy. And he was thrown in prison. Thrown into a well, you know. They mocked him. They teased him. And sure enough, you know, you start to realize, you know, you read Lamentations. And he's weeping even more because Judah is now in Babylonian captivity. All those people realize, wow, Jeremiah did speak for the Lord. Here we are, we thought Jeremiah was so crazy, so stupid, and Jeremiah spoke for the Lord. Such is the same with the the apostles, the disciples, the, the Christians, the church in the book of Acts. But yet the Holy Spirit was doing a mighty work and people were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And so Dr. Luke, he continues to write in verse three. He says, it seemed good to me also. Having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. You know, it sounds conceited to say that. I mean, imagine if somebody wrote you a letter. Oh, you know, I have perfect understanding of all things. But you know what's so cool about this particular passage is to understand that his understanding was made perfect in Christ. That's how I read it. You know, understanding perfected in Christ Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of your faith and my faith, the author and finisher of my faith and your faith. And you see this, that Luke had this beautiful intimacy with Jesus Christ. Oneness with Jesus Christ. He walked with Jesus Christ. And so he says, It seemed good to me also, having had, perfected, having had perfect understanding of all things, from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Who is this Theophilus guy? Most excellent Theophilus. The same guy who he's writing to in the book of Acts. He says this in verse four, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. You know, I don't know if Theophilus was a new believer in Jesus. I have a hunch that he might have been a new believer. And Luke, he writes this letter to him, the gospel according to Luke. He writes this letter to him. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about my experience with Jesus Christ and walking with him, the things that he said, how he died, how he rose again. You know, I kind of have a weird, you know, like you take like with new believers, you know, sometimes because I was a new believer once. And, you know, sometimes people would be all up in your business, you know. They'd be like, hey, you know, let's go do this, let's go do this, let's go do this, let's go do this, you know. You have those, like, crazy friends, you know. And so it's like, you know, I have this weird, like, I guess I don't really know how to deal with it, you know, if I can be honest. It's a lot of prayer. But I love Dr. Luke here because he takes this guy, Theophilus. And look at what he wrote to him in the book of Luke. It's a lot of pages to write, you know? I never, I haven't really counted, but it's a lot of pages. He takes this parchment and he writes, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Granted, Theophilus didn't have the distractions that we have today. There was no Netflix back in the day. He didn't have cable. He didn't have entertainment. But to sit down and take this parchment and read from the writings of Dr. Luke about Jesus Christ. And he doesn't end there. So now, you know, he says, this is the purpose of verse four. He says, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed is to solidify. Hey, beyond a shadow of a doubt. And remember who's writing it. I'm not writing from, you know, firsthand or from, you know, secondhand knowledge. I'm not writing about a Jesus Christ that somebody else told me about. Hey, I walked with him. And so look at what happens here. Going back to the book of Acts. Still writing to Theophilus. Of all Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day. In verse 2. In Acts 1. Until the day in which he was taken up. After he. Through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, you know, it's like, hey, Theophilus, I told you about about Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to tell you about his work through the Holy Spirit. That's a lot of writing when you account for Luke and you account for Acts. And these are the writings he's given to Theophilus to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus Christ and his handiwork through the holy spirit and what the holy spirit can do in your life let me tell you about these things that's pretty hardcore it gives me great comfort in knowing that you know what you take like a new believer Somebody who doesn't know all these things about the Bible, somebody who doesn't know all these things about the life, the death, the resurrection, the power of Jesus Christ and living the Holy Spirit to say, you know what? I walked with him. I still walk with him. And let me pour into you the holy things of the word of God. That's why I have a beef with hypocrisy. A huge beef with hypocrisy. Because you know what it is? It's a mutilation of truth. You know, it's to say, you know, what if I was a drunk alcoholic, I beat on my wife, I cheat on my wife, and then I sit here and then I make an attempt to pour into you? Number one, I can't be a pastor if that were the case. I would be disqualified from being a pastor. Potentially other disqualifications too more on that later but i would be disqualified from being a pastor but a lot of people like the accolades of men oh look at this guy look how holy he is yes you know whatever he says i will believe and then they teach nonsense you know whose god is their belly we kind of talked about that a couple weeks ago whose god is their belly but yet, the truth of God's holy word goes forth. In verse 3, he says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. Translates as unmistakable proofs. Remember, the disciples, imagine how sorrowful you would have been. If you follow Jesus Christ... And then all of a sudden, you're freaked out. You don't want to be arrested. You don't want to be beaten. You don't want to be hung on a cross. And so you're watching from a distance. Wow, they're beating our Lord. They're beating my Lord. And then he's hanging on a cross. And then he dies. And you're like, man, I guess it's done. I I guess the movement is over. And then you go and you hide in a house. If you're a man, you go and hide in a house. But then remember, you know, the beautiful, tough women. They were like, no, we're going to go to the Lord. We're going to go to the tomb and honor him and get, you know, put the uh, uh, aromatics on his body because he's dead. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord. No, he's not dead. The tomb is empty. Go and tell the disciples. And you start to see, you know, the disciples, when they see Jesus Christ, imagine what that would have done to their faith. That's what I love so much about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm speaking relatively selfish now about this. You know, sometimes something is so hard to believe. It's so hard to believe. Like, Lord, I got this situation in my life. And yet your word tells me that I can have unspeakable joy. How can I have unspeakable joy? It's so unfathomable because look at my present situation. And yet you deny the crack pipe. You deny the drugs, the alcohol, all these things, whatever it is. And you say, Lord, not my will, thy will. And something happens in the course of time. You start to realize, man, I have unspeakable joy. An unspeakable joy. Mm -hmm. And you know what happens at that moment? Thus fulfills the Holy Word of God in your life. Sometimes, you know, people used to come up to me. Hey, Jay, how's your week going? You know, things okay? I say, yeah, you know, I feel kind of guilty a little bit. Because I'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm doing good. And one time I was talking with an elder. And he was like, you know, come over here. Let's talk in private. Okay. So we go and talk in private. No, Jake, tell, tell me what's really going on in your life. I'm like, nothing, you know, you know, praise the Lord, you know, everything's fine. And he started telling me. You know, you don't have problems with this, you don't have problems with that. And I'm like I started to feel guilty like like I have this like insane joy in my life. But then I started to feel bad like, you know, like hey, you know, I don't deal with the stuff you deal with. The stuff that I used to deal with, I threw that in the trash. You're still holding on to it. You don't have the unspeakable joy. And you're trying to project this on me? And I started to feel like, kind of bummed out. It's like, man, all these people in the body of Christ, where's the unspeakable joy? And that's what happens when you align your life. You say, Lord, here's my life. Here's my heart. And you say, not my will, thy will. All of a sudden, it's like someone will cuss you out. You're so stupid, you dumb Christian. You believe in those fairy tales? And then all of a sudden you start to be insanely happy, so full of joy. Because you're like, wow, Lord, you, you allowed me to rejoice in these things. You allowed me to be like suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ.
1: Don't forget,
0: you know, what he's writing about here. He says that these many infallible proofs. Imagine seeing Jesus Christ alive again after you're so bummed out about his death. I say death in quotations. Because he, he he didn't die. He rose again. And he walked with the disciples again. He had a meal with the disciples again, like we studied last week. But yet, he has a job for them to do. Just like he told Brother Peter in our study last week. When he says, you know, in uh, uh, John 21, verse uh, uh, 16, he says... Tend my, or in verse 15, feed my lambs. In verse 16, tend my sheep. In verse 17, feed my sheep. You see, he has a job for these guys to do. That's what I, you know, these beautiful, tough women, they were like the straight-up jumper cables to the men whose faith was waning, if not waned already. Doubt started to creep in. Look at doubting Thomas. And then all the women come back. They're like, hey, the tomb is empty, you guys. Mary giving a report. Hey, I walked with Jesus. I saw him. And then her faith is like jumper cables to the men. That's what's so beautiful about women in the body of Christ. How your faith can be like jumper cables to men. It used to blow me away. We had these old friends in our old church in California. And they always used to sit in the very front row at our church. And so we made good friends with them. So they'd be like, you know, I like to sit in the back, you know. And then, like, we made friends with them. And they were like, hey, Jay, liz come over here. Come to the front. So we'd sit right there in the front. And it always would blow me away so much because I would sit in the front. Service would just be about to start. The pastor would come out. He would pray. And then I always made a note to look, to turn around and look behind me. You know what I saw? A lot of women. A lot of women. Young, old, single, married, daughters. A lot of women. Very, very, very few men on a Wednesday night. Sometimes on a Thursday night. Sometimes a prayer meeting on a Tuesday night. Sometimes it was a prayer meeting on a Tuesday, Bible study on a Wednesday, more Bible study on a Thursday. And I'd always sit in the front and I'd look back and I saw a lot of women. Where are the men? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, the Lakers are playing tonight. Oh, the Dodgers are playing tonight. You know, oh, I got to watch my Raiders. Very, very few men. And when I say very few men, I would say like the the, 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 the pews were 95% women, maybe 93%. And, you know, not an exaggeration. Where are the men? Where are the men? And praise be to the Lord, because these beautiful, faithful Tough women, they would go home and they would be like jumper cables to their husbands, to their sons, to the men in their lives. Praise be to the Lord. Look at what happens. You're going to see the body of Christ, male, female, young, old. It doesn't matter. Alive in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. And so he says here by these by many infallible proofs in verse 3 being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of these things pertaining to the kingdom of God you know in in Luke 24 Jesus spoke to uh, Jesus spoke to, to Moses and all the prophets concerning himself and then all of a sudden, you know, like in, 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 in I shouldn't say it that way, but in Luke 24, when Jesus was uh, re- revealed himself, when everybody thought he was dead, he revealed himself. But he was walking on the road to Emmaus and he revealed himself and started to speak about Moses and the prophets, the things concerning himself. And then he disappeared. And the two guys, there were two guys there and the two guys, one of them was like, you know, didn't our hearts burn inside of us? You know, here he was. He was speaking these things, but like, hey, you know, my heart felt like this. It was like jumping inside of me. Did it feel that weight to you too? And the other guy was like, Yeah, it did. That's what's so cool about faith. When faith can blow up. Have you ever read a passage in the Holy Word of God where you're like, Whoa, Lord, this is too good to be true. I, it's you know, forgive me, Lord, but I can't believe it. It's just so difficult. But yet, it's in your word, so I'm going to apply it in my life. And you apply it in your life, and maybe you forget about it. And then like four months later, you come across it again, and you're like, whoa, Lord, like you showed yourself to be true in my life because, you know, four months ago, I thought it was impossible. And here we are four months later, possible. You've done it. Not just done it, but it's history now. And you know what happens in those moments? Your faith can grow. Your faith can grow more and more and more and more. Imagine what your faith is going to be like when you're 85 years old. Yeah, And your, 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 your faith, your heart, your life can be like jumper cables to your grandbaby, grandbabies. Great grandbabies. Now the word of God, the logos, transfers from generation to generation to generation. And so he says here in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This is before the ascension of Jesus Christ. He spent some time with the disciples. He says in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. You know the, the good news? It's about to blow up like crazy. They don't really know it yet, but it's about to blow up like crazy. And he says, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you have heard from me for John truly baptized with water. This is John the Baptist for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now, when we get into Acts chapter two, we're going to read about the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the Greek word for 50th. That all it, that that's all it means it means 50th, you know, like in, I guess, eight more years. I'm going to have my Pentecost birthday, you know, so it just means 50th. That's all it means. Man, I mean, it just hit me like, whoa. <laughs> so, you know, I'm old, but that's all it means. Pentecost in accordance with the law, the Old Testament, 50 days after the feast of the first fruits is the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of the Harvest. So you start to see the timing of the Lord. The Old Testament Word of God being fulfilled in the New Covenant Church. I'll give you an example of Old Testament feasts and New Covenant fulfillment. There's the Feast of the Passover the new covenant fulfillment is the death of Jesus Christ, who was the Passover lamb. There's the feast of unleavened bread. And the new covenant fulfillment is for you and me to sin less and less and less. Not to be sinless. I mean, that's the ultimate, to be sinless. when you and I are sinless, we'll be in our glorified bodies. But today, you and me can sin less and less and less and less. And then, in accordance with the Old Testament, the Feast of the First Fruits, the New Covenant fulfillment is Jesus Christ rose again. The tomb is empty. The Old Testament Feast of the Harvest, or the Feast of Weeks, is Pentecost. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the New Covenant fulfillment, which we haven't got to yet, but we're going to get to in Acts chapter 2, Lord willing, next week. But it might be the following week. So, you start to see all these things. The old covenant, that's why it blows me away. It blew Paul away too. When the church in Galatia were going back to the things of the law, were going back to celebrating the festivals and all these things, he says, Why are you going back to those things? I'll read it for you. You know, he says, But now in Galatians 4, uh, verse 9, he says, but now after you have known god or rather are known by god how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage you observe days and months and seasons and years he says i am afraid for you lest i have labored for you in vain he says in verse 16 of the same chapter he says have i therefore become your enemy Because I tell you the truth. You know, if you want people to hate you, tell them the truth. People will hate you when you tell them the truth. The majority will hate you when you tell them the truth. Very few will love you when you tell them the truth. He says to the church in Galatia, he says, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Tell me, in verse 21, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? That's why it's such a huge beef, all these people that want to go back to the law. But no, the Old Testament feast of trumpets, that hasn't yet been fulfilled yet as new covenant believers. What do you mean it hasn't been fulfilled? Well, remember the trumpets we read about in Revelation the sounding of the trumpets. All these things are symbolic and point to Jesus Christ. The first coming and the second coming. The day of atonement. It's coming. When all these things, when all things are, you know, done. Like it is finished. Another it is finished. The feast of tabernacles and the feast of or the feast of booths, it's coming. I can make a strong argument about the Feast of booths being fulfilled in the wedding feast. The marriage supper of the Lamb. All these things. We're going to study. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But when we get into the works of the law in Numbers and Leviticus, we're going to study all these things. Because, you know, I, I, it's something I pray about. Because I don't want to study the law and like, you know, elevate the law. I want to study the law and say, no, elevate Jesus Christ and say, hey, this this law is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And this is how. And, you know, that's how we're going to do it. And so what happens here, the Lord is telling the disciples. But in verse five of Acts one, he says, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I love their eagerness for a restoration of Israel. It's not a bad thing at all. It's beautiful. Remember when Jesus Christ, when he was before the cross, he comes riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. And they're putting the palm leaves on the ground. Hosanna, Hosanna, save now. Because they thought he was going to establish his kingdom right then and there. But no, in order for that to happen, in order for Jesus Christ to establish his earthly kingdom, he has to be king of my life and your life first. Otherwise, it's an earthly kingdom. But the kingdom of heaven, it's not of this world. It's not of this world. It's so powerful. Who in their heart of hearts will say Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest? And the disciples, now in their eagerness for that, in their eagerness for you know uh, the kingdom being restored, they straight up asked them, "Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel?" And he said to them, "It is not for you to know the t- It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. You know, it's for a last days generation." That's why he started to teach. We studied it when we were in Matthew 24, the signs of the times. Remember Daniel, when Daniel has all these visions of the last days and the angel of the Lord would tell him certain things. Oh, these are the coming kingdoms. And then finally he had this other vision and he was so eager to know what it is. And the angel of the Lord told him, Daniel, put it away. It's not for you to know these things. It's for the people of the end. It's for the people of the end. Paul had to write a letter to the church in Thessalonica. And he writes them a letter. And he says, you know what? These things about the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's going to happen. But certain things are precursory to that. You know, other things have to happen first. You know, And it's so powerful because we start to understand these things from the Old Testament and New Testament. You put it together and what do you have? The realization that the Lord is coming again. The Lord is coming again. He says this too in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Translates this, you know, power is the dunamis power. It's where we get the word for dynamite has power. It's a power that's not mine, not yours. It's supernatural. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you know, a lot of people, we're going to talk about the gift of tongues too. Because a lot of people will say, you know, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is speaking in tongues. You know, I partially believe that. It's one of many evidences of the holy spirit because remember you know we're we're told about the holy spirit in galatians 5 but the fruit of the spirit is love Joy, peace, long suffering. Oh, this is in Galatians five, verse twenty-two. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And not just that, you know, we're told about all this, this, this uh, 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 manifold evidence of the Holy Spirit. And so many people say, hey, evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life is to speak in tongues. I don't believe that. It's one of many. You ever see people who speak in tongues, but they're beating on their wife and cheating on their wife? You ever see people who speak in tongues, but they're the meanest people? They got the crack pipe, you know, they, you know, doing their cooking on spoons. You ever see people do that? You know what I call that? I call that an abomination. I call that major hypocrisy. Zero self-control. You're faking it. That's what these fakers are doing. And not only that, we have the love, chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. When he says, in verse 1, in First Corinthians 13, verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding, all mystery and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You see, love is pinnacle. Love So many people say, you know, in accordance with Acts 2, they get this idea of saying, hey, if you have the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will speak in tongues. Meanwhile, you know, they're doing crack. Meanwhile, you know, they're going to strip clubs. Meanwhile, they're doing all these things. But it's like, hey, you're making a mockery of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Where's the love? You see, it profits nothing. If you or me are going to live lives that are lukewarm and have no love, there's no profit in it. You have passages in the Bible where it says, hey, it's worse for you. It's better if you had never known scripture. It's better for you. You know, and it's such a trip because a lot of people turn the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. They make it a joke. You ever see people on TV? You know, they got their weird hair. They got their caked on makeup. And then they start babbling. And they start doing all these things. You're like, what in the world is happening here? Paul speaks about the gift of tongues. And he says, hey, when it happens, it must be in order. There must be somebody there to interpret. If there's no interpreter, don't do it. Don't do it. Because he says, you know, a non-believing person is going to come into the fellowship See what's happening and think everybody is crazy. You know what's happening? People come into the fellowship. They see all this craziness and they think everybody's crazy. Scripture fulfilled. And so look what happens here in verse 9. He says, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, the disciples are watching. They're with Jesus Christ. And they're watching him. It says, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they... Oh, wait. I missed verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Translates as martus. Martus, which is a witness and a martyr. To, To witness and to martyr. All the disciples... Who are apostles in Christ Jesus? They died. Historically, they died in accordance with church history. Some we have accounts of them in Holy Scripture. Some we have accounts of them in church history. How some went into Asia. Some went into, you know, like uh, uh, areas that are presently Arab countries. They went all over the world and they established these churches all over the place. And they all died. Paul had his head chopped off. A lot of Christians were burned at the stake because people acknowledged them as the light of the world. You know, they would say, Jesus is the light of the world. And you are the light of the world, teaching the good news. So you have this emperor of Rome by the name of Nero. He says, okay, you Christians are the light of the world. He would have them, you know, hung on a big stake. I mean, like, Picture that, a big stake in the ground with a point, and then they'd stick a human on there. Just like it was a marshmallow on a stick. And I don't mean to speak, you know, I don't mean, I don't say it like a mere marshmallow, but I'm just explaining how how it was. In some cases, the Christians were still alive. You know, dying slowly because they were, you know. But then at the same time, he would put like this, like this, uh, like a tar on them and then light them on fire. And say, okay, you want to be the light of the world? You're the light of the world. And then watch them burn. He would go, Nero, Emperor Nero, he would go at night into his... Have you ever been like in a hotel? You're on vacation, you know? And you're at night and they have the little tikis all over and it's light. It's well lit. You could walk on the path. That's what he used to do through his porticos. He'd walk and everything was well lit. And you think like, wow, this is well lit. But then you look up at the flame and what do you see? A burning body there. It was a Christian. Men, women, young people. Sometimes you'd see the little flame. It was a little Christian baby. That's what happened. You see, like, we have this book here. Capital B. No disrespect to refer to, you know, the Word of God is just a mere book. But there's a lot of blood involved with these pages. A lot of blood. A lot of suffering. Not just suffering Yesterday. Suffering today, Christians being killed, tortured. You know, not too long ago, I read this article about a pastor in Vietnam, Vietnam proper. It was really like in the mountains of Vietnam, Vietnam proper. You know, he would go and teach the good news and he'd have his little church and the people would come and he was arrested and they wanted him to deny his faith and he wouldn't do it. So they beat him up. That he lost all his teeth. No teeth. And then they let him go as a, as a message to the church where if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen to you. And I read these reports of the persecuted church. You know, and a lot of times the people can't say exactly where it is because it's an underground church. And if word gets out, it's very dangerous for the Christians very, very dangerous for the Christians, life-threatening. So they let this pastor out with no teeth, and what did he do? He goes to church, and he starts teaching the Word of God with no teeth. To the world, you know, it would have been stupid for the world to see that. Look at this guy with no teeth. Here he is teaching, but to the faithful, oh, I I don't think I, I would be weeping the whole time. Oh, my beloved brother. His teeth, he's all cut up, black eye. And he's teaching the word of God. What a message it sends to the, to the body of Christ. Like, whoa, you know, you know, he's persecuted and the police let him go to send me a message too. That if I'm going to come to church, if I'm going to read my Bible, if I'm going to, if these people who are, you know, elders and deacons in the church, if I'm going to aspire to that, that's the penalty. And yet he kept teaching the word of God. Now he's disappeared. I don't, nobody knows where he's at. A lot of people think they, they arrested him again and they killed him. This is what's happening today to our brothers and sisters. I can speak of, I, I don't even want to speak of these things that are unspeakable. About what they do to women and rape young women, little boys, little children. How they say, hey, deny your faith. They did, I just read another article. They chopped off a guy's arm. They chopped off his hand first. Deny Jesus Christ. He said, no. So they chopped off his hand. They said, hey, you deny Jesus Christ. They chopped off his elbow. He said, no, I'm not going to de- deny my Lord. And then they say, hey, deny Jesus Christ. He says, no, I'm not denying him. So they shot him in the forehead. He was dead. They killed him. You know who told the world about that? His son. Who was there, who witnessed it, who saw it all. This is happening today. And yet here we are trapped in this America bubble, which I'm thankful for this America bubble. That we don't have to worry about certain things that are happening in the world. But it can make us blind to the things that are happening in the world. And so Jesus Christ tells the disciples... He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses, martus, witness and martyr. To me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And that's how the book of Acts can be chopped up. Three parts of the book of Acts to Jerusalem is chapter one through chapter six. Judea and Samaria is chapter six through chapter 12. And then to the ends of the earth Is chapter 12 through chapter 28. Rome as the capital of the Gentiles. And you see in the latter chapters when Paul goes into Rome. It's crazy. You know, we have this book. We have these free apps on our phones. But there is a lot of bloodshed. Fox's book of martyrs. I don't know it's been a couple of years since I've you know I've do- I downloaded it on, on uh, the iBooks read it what the torture that Christians went through arrested by the Roman Catholic so-called church and they would say hey recant your faith don't ever speak against the church they would say don't ever speak against the pope and these bishops and the people would be like I can't I'm a Christian I follow Jesus Christ and the torture they would do. They would have create special tools of torture used in the Inquisition. It's the doctrines of Roman Catholicism is garbage. You know, 22 years ago, I would never utter those words. I would think, wow, you know, the Pope is, you know, holy. The Pope is the vicar of Christ. Now, as a Christian, now, as I read the Bible, I call him the vicar of Antichrist. And I'm not alone in saying that. Nobody just likes to, you know, repeat the words of these teachers, old school teachers. You shall be witnesses. You shall be witnesses and martyrs to me is how it translates. Martus in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so, I thought we would finish the chapter today a little bit more. A little bit more. He says in verse 9 Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These are angels of the Lord who are now up here, who also said, Men of Galilee, Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming again. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, if you remember our study through the book of Revelation, you see Jesus Christ riding on the clouds. And every eye will see him and the earth will mourn. Can you imagine what that day is going to be like? The people today who call you stupid. The people who day, today who think you believe in fairy tales. Why are you going to believe in Jesus Christ? You know, come on, let's go to the strip club. Why are you going to believe in those fairy tales? Come on, let's, you know, let's do some crack together. The finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Let's go hang out. Let's do all these things together. You're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian now. I'm going to church. Hey, come with me to church. And then one day, Jesus Christ riding on the clouds. And the account of the Bible says the earth will mourn. These mockers today are going to mourn. Jesus is real. They're going to see him. And so look what happens here in verse 12, he says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. They went to the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, the zealot, and Judas. This is also known as Jude, not Judas Iscariot. It says Judas, the son of James. And you know what's so powerful about this? The men, they're no longer scaredy cats. The end of the Gospels, they were scaredy cats. Here, they're no longer scaredy cats. They're no longer faithless. They're no longer doubting. You know why? The women. The women who were jumper cables to the men. Hey, wake up. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Jesus Christ is alive. The tomb is empty. Come with me. Come look. You see the ministry of these women? These all continued with one accord, one mind. In prayer and supplication is petition or prayer request. That's what supplication means. A petition or prayer request. One mind. With the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. You see, the brothers of, Mary, of, of Jesus in the course of time, they worship Jesus Christ. Kind of like Joseph. Remember our study through uh, uh, Genesis, the, uh, uh, the account of Joseph, who is a type of Christ, when they didn't like him. The brothers of Joseph, they didn't like him. They threw him into you know the pit and then they sold him into slavery. They left him for dead. And then what happens again? They bow before him one day. The same with Jesus Christ. With his brothers, with the people, with you and me bowing before his throne, you are Lord. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. So the the followers of Jesus wasn't just 11. There were more. Young, old, male, female, rich, poor. Remember the rich guy who, you know, we studied that a couple weeks ago. There was a very wealthy guy who had influence with Pilate. And he goes into Pontius Pilate's office and says, hey, you know what? Let me have the body of Jesus Christ. And so he said, okay, you know. And so he had some clout with the the, the leading class, so to speak. And so, you know, you see a different Peter here. Who was formerly a denier of Jesus Christ. Now he's leading and exhorting a different Peter. Men and brethren, the scripture had to be had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. That's a fulfillment of Psalm 41. We studied that a couple weeks ago. For he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry, speaking about Judas Iscariot. You know what happened to Judas Iscariot? It's revealed here in verse 25 that Judas, by transgression, fell in verse 25. That's what happens when we play games with sin. Yeah, I'll go to church. I'll go to church, but I'll also go to strip clubs. I'll go to church. I'll go to church, but I'll also beat on my wife. Meanwhile, speak in tongues as evidence of the Holy Spirit. Stupid. What a mess the state of the church is in today. But you know what? We read the Bible and it's like, wait a second. You start to realize that whatever's happening here, whatever's happening here, is to say, hey, get out of there and come back to the Word of God. Mm -hmm. Study the Word of God. Come back to truth. Truth. And so he says in verse 18, he says, Now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity. It was dirty money, the wages of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his entrails, all his intestines gushed out. Remember, in Matthew 27, you know, he hung himself. Judas Iscariot, he hung himself. And so I don't if you ever see a dead body, you know, like the dead body, the rigor mortis. It gets hard. It gets like stiff. And so he's hanging, the rope let loose, and he falls, his skin rips open, and all his intestines just spill out. The intestines gushed out, as it is written here in verse 18. And it became known to to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So that field is called in their own language, that is field of blood, not the blood of Judas, the innocent blood of Jesus Christ. Who was betrayed by Judas. Judas, who was numbered and obtained a part in the ministry of the disciples and of Jesus Christ. And in verse 25, it says, by transgression fell. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And let another take his office or his episcope is what that is in the Greek, an overseer or a bishop. It's The word here comes from Psalm 109, verse 8. Let another take his office. And you know what I love about this? Peter is now telling the disciples, telling the believers in Jesus, they're saying, hey, let the word of God be our guide. Let the holy word of God be our guide. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of the resurrection, must become or become ordained as a martus, a, a witness and martyr with us of his resurrection. And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias, And they prayed. And this word for prayer, it's a different kind of prayer. It's emphasis on to pray earnestly. To make petitions and these (laughs) requests known to God. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship. And what's so beautiful about, about this passage in closing Is that they're allowing the Lord to lead. They're allowing the Lord to lead. Not just that, but they're allowing the word of God to be their guide. Remember in verse 20, let another take his office. They turn to Psalm 109 verse 8. And they're allowing the Lord. They're seeking him out. They're praying earnestly. They're making their petitions and requests known to God. And they're praying. And they're saying, show us whom you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship. There's no strategy involved. You know, let the one who develops the strategy be the Lord. You just be obedient to the Lord. A lot of times people say, okay, you know, we're going to do this. So they develop a strategy. You know what I say? You know what? Be on your knees before the Lord. Let him direct your paths. Lean on his word. Pray earnestly. He says in verse 25, To take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast lots. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven. You know, God gives increase. And here the Lord moves and we're going to study in verse 2 chapter 2 next week the day of Pentecost Lord willing So we're going to end our study here